As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My name's Renee, and I'm good at plenty of things. For instance, I'm really good at making babies smile. <laughs> but I'm terrible at movies, like, really bad. So that's why I asked my friends to challenge me to watch their favorite movies so I can build up my repertoire and stop looking like an idiot. Sometimes I like the movie, sometimes I don't, but either way, my friend and I are going to talk about it. So, for my first episode ever, I brought on my friend Michael Delaney. He is on an indie improv team, Moonroof, which I also happen to be on. And um, he decided that the best movie to start off with would be The Godfather. Now, I don't really know anything about The Godfather. Um, Just judging from the title alone, I'm going to guess the movie is about this guy whose friend has a baby and the guy's like hey do you want to be my baby's godfather and he's like sure yeah and um the movie that happens is just the really heartwarming story of um a man and his godson going through life struggles together and and that man just you know helping guide this young boy through life and it's very sweet and like I don't know, maybe uh, they fall on some hardships at one point. Like, the kid falls and skins his knee, and then the godfather's there to put a Band-Aid on it. It's it's going to be a, a really great and sweet and happy movie, as far as I can tell. So let's go ahead and watch it, all right? And then Michael and I are going to talk about it. See ya! And now the godfather in one minute. Hey, my daughter's getting married. Oh, that's really great. We should do something about it. Hey, hey uh, put this horse head in some guy's bed. Oh, I got that covered. Thanks. Ah, the horse head. Oh, man, where's the, where's the cannolis? Oh, leave the gun. Take the cannolis. Oh, okay, I like dessert. <laughs> hey, I'm going to have some wine at this table. Sonny's dead. No! I'm Al Pacino. I'd never hurt you, Kate. I'd never hurt you. I'm Al Pacino. Credits. <laughs> Hello, Michael Delaney. Hello. Thank you for being on the show. So uh, today we're going to talk about The Godfather. And so why did you choose this movie? Um, the Godfather is, like, when you had us, you know, you know, you, you asked a lot of us to write mm-hmm. down our favorite films, and it kind of changes a lot for me. So I, like, threw, you know, maybe different genre or different time of my life but that movie i guess like star wars is something i'll always love mm-hmm. 
and I'll always be able to come back to, but this one, for some reason, always, like, speaks to me as, like, one of the essential films. Um, Definitely. So, in my personal experience with it, I think I told you this before, but I, um, my parents, like, and so, so I can probably fit in with some of your podcasts that you will be watching movies, because I haven't seen a lot of big movies that oh, people yeah. have seen and like what the fuck you haven't seen that mm-hmm. um can we cuss what are we cussing yeah <laughs> fuck yeah. um so uh my parents were strict adherents of the uh mpaa as it were i don't know mm. if that what it stands for exactly but it's the rating system movie picture uh asshole ar- ar- arbitrary yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> I don't know. They just, you know, they're just like, oh, that's that's a rated R movie. You shouldn't see it. So sure. I knew my dad really liked it, and I was like starting to get interested in 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 you know films that I thought that I should. Mm-hmm. And I was like a freshman in high school, and we had a day off of school, and I was home alone, and so I took my dad's two tape VHS copy of it. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I watched that one, and at some other point, The Godfather Part Two. I don't mm-hmm. think it was the same day, because that's a long day. But <laughs> I watched both of them, and at some point, I told my dad, I was like, guess what, Dad? I watched The Godfather. And he, like, he didn't get, like, super mad or anything, but, like, later, I tried to find them again, and he hid them. So I couldn't <laughs> find the movies for a couple years, I think. And then when I turned 17, I was like, where are the movies, Dad? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like... I'm allowed to watch him now. He's like, says who? And I'm like, says this. And says I showed the him MPAA, motherfucker. So, it's always like, you know, and it's it's influenced a lot of other things. There's like Batman comics that are really heavily influenced by yeah. Godfather. And I read the book, and they have two sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, not written by Puzo, because he was dead after that. So Yeah, I think... Um... I mean, I have not seen The Godfather until just yesterday, Mm -hmm. but you can definitely see the references that are being made in just about any show. Like, The Simpsons have referenced it. I even saw there was a clip from Modern Family where they referenced it. It's just, it's everywhere, and people want to reference it in pop culture all the time because it's such a relevant movie. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I also read the book. In most cases, whenever I'm doing these shows, I'm going to go in completely blind. But in this case, I actually did read the book in You're college. You're the first person that I've ever met, including <laughs> myself, who's only read the book yeah. and not seen the movie. I yeah. read the book after I saw the movie. <laughs> That's weird. It's completely backwards. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm the weird one, for sure. But it's, it's definitely interesting how how much came back to me when I was watching the movie. Because before I watched it, I was thinking, there's not much I remember from the book. So it really was just watching it without knowing what was going to happen. And then as I started watching, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the book. (laughs) There's, like, I thought I was re-watching it, taking notes, and I I was like, there's there's, this happens in the book, this doesn't happen here. Like, they do it differently. And Mm -hmm. I'm like... Don't talk about the book the whole time, <laughs> because that's not what you're talking about. Right. But there are some interesting points. Like, I mean, any book is is thicker than a, a, a three hour, even three hour movie. Yeah. So, but like, there's a lot of B and C list characters in mm-hmm. the book that don't get a lot of attention, probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, the girl that Sonny 
sleeps with at the wedding with as the loose vagina. yeah yeah like the only reason <laughs> she has a whole subplot that after sunny dies she can't find a man to please her yeah. because his member was so large and her vagina was so large so she yeah. has reconstructive surgery <laughs> then falls in love with her plastic surgeon like this is yeah. a whole plot throughout the book it's so crazy and i thought i mean yeah it'd be so weird in the movie just because it has nothing at all to do with the plot the main plot that's going on but in the book it's so funny because he performs the surgery on her and <laughs> he's like monitoring as they're i mean literally like stitching her vagina up and he's like Make it one tighter for me. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> God, like, she's so talking weird. about, like, she hasn't had an orgasm before, and then yeah. he, like, laughs. He's like, you stupid kid. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. So, like, they... He takes the time... Puzo takes the time to, like, tell the most minute stories that come back in small ways. Yeah. Like, like, that doctor plays a very small role later in the book. But mm-hmm. it's like, oh... We got that through line for right. no reason. So <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't really necessary, but I missed it just because it was like, oh, I wonder how they're going to tackle this in the movie. They didn't even touch it, which was probably the smartest yeah. thing to do. Just ignore the whole plot with the loose vagina girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so do you want to talk about maybe like your favorite scene from the movie, something that really stuck out the first time you watched it? Um... There's always, uh, like, I feel like I've really, especially when I really like anything, I, um, eat all of it. (laughs) If there's any, any little piece of it that I've missed. So I've read all the books, listened to the commentary, watched, like, the special features. Mm -hmm. So I know, like, um, I I have a kind of a sense of what Coppola goes for, like, Mm -hmm. because he has these weird little moments like, he says he doesn't like violence. Like, he said that a bunch. I'm like, okay, but <laughs> there's some violent stuff. So, right. you know, someone's like, oh, if uh, Francis wants to make a violent scene, he'll make it a little peculiar, which I guess is true, because yeah. you have a guy getting shot in the eye. That's yeah. that's something unique. Mm-hmm. All the deaths are kind of visually interesting. But yeah, there's sure. all this weird little things that happen like the one moment that always sticks out to me mm-hmm. is they're in the um restaurant mm-hmm. before he kills Salazzo and McCluskey yeah and everything's tense and like gradually you have like that train build up in the background where like yeah you don't have like it's a it's a whole moment of mm, you don't know where you are because they're speaking Sicilian and they don't mm-hmm. have subtitles. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a weird choice. Yeah. They want you to throw, I feel like they want you to be off guard, not mm-hmm. understand what's happening. Then you have this train in the background, tension builds up and he, you know, he, he kills them there. So yeah. like, that's, that's a powerful scene. But something before that in that same scene is, you know, you know, this is a serious scene, you know, yeah. something big and important is going to happen in it. I always find it so amusing. There's this moment, like, where the tension breaks because a waiter is opening the bottle, mm-hmm. and he pops the cork, and it's the most cartoony cork pop ever. <laughs> Here, I actually recorded it, so okay, I could, great. I don't know if this will show up on it, but it's, like, so weird. Yeah. Um, if you just put the phone close to the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. There we go.
Oh. Still open it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that that always yeah. to me, I was like, wait, that like reminds me of like an old Disney movie yeah. or something. Uh, and then there's another part. I also recorded this because um, McCluskey. Frisk Michael before, and like Celeste was getting nervous because he's about to go to the bathroom. He frisks him again. Yeah, and then he 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 says this line. The the cop says this line. Play, play, damn it, play. <laughs> Such a tiny button. Stay tuned, folks. I frisked him. He's clean. I'll take two. <laughs> I frisked a thousand young punks. Like, what a bragging point. I know, yeah. <laughs> so that's my favorite scene for, like, serious reasons and absurd reasons. Yeah, I did, I did like that character McCluskey was just kind of like this typical, just uh, a kind of like a cocky cop who kind of has it coming. Yeah. You know? I liked I liked that scene a lot. There was a lot of scenes in the movie that I liked. I'd say my favorite... Oh my god. Whenever Connie has like a breakdown and it's right after her husband Carlo's like mistress mm-hmm. calls the house yeah. and it's that big scene where she ends up calling Sunny but <laughs> she's just running around the apartment and throwing plates yeah. and then at one point she's just so dramatic and then at one point she goes up to the china cabinet and just goes like <laughs> yeah. and like knocks yeah. over all the vases and I was like God, that must have been so much fun to shoot. Like, it that probably girl. was. They they actually choreographed mm-hmm. that based on I don't know whose idea this was, but mm-hmm. they said they had some somebody's kid who was on set and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, what would you do if you're really mad?" And this kid <laughs> did all these things, and wow. so that's that's why they did it because <laughs> this child said, "Well, when I'm mad, I break things." <laughs> So, I'd go down, I'd go and grab a plate and throw it on the ground and scream and run into the other room and knock down a bunch of vases. Because it's an absurd scene. You yeah. watch it and you're like, oh, this is really upsetting. Like, she's getting beaten. Yeah. But then she does this thing and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's kind of acting like a child. And I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, at the beginning of the movie, I, I think I even wrote it down in some notes that I took that I was like, man, Connie has it so good because, like, all her brothers have to be part of the business. Her dad keeps her out of it. She gets this fucking fantastic wedding yeah. that all these people who have done favors for the Don are, like, chipping in for, like, mm-hmm. her cake and everything like that, and Johnny comes and... And, you know, it's like, man, she has it so good because she gets all the benefits, but she doesn't have to be part of this, like, disgusting business. But then the downside is she marries a complete asshole yep. and beats her and then mm. ends up dying. And it's just, yeah, Connie doesn't have, uh, <laughs> she doesn't have it as good as she I thought. <laughs> man, I want to be Connie. Yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, Coppola's sister. Ah. Talia Shire. So she was in Rocky. Mm-hmm. She was Adrian in Rocky movies. Oh. And then another, Coppola's father is in it as well. He plays the piano and there's like a little montage of like the war against the five families, mm-hmm. which they go in more detail in the book, but they're just like, let's do a newsreel montage. Yeah. So he's playing the piano in that. And then the baby at the end is Sophia Coppola. Uh-huh. That's D. 
our friend D. Blinnis told me that I could stump you with that, and I was like, I don't think so. He thought for sure you wouldn't know that, so... You gotta do better than that, D. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Sorry, D. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to, we could just go through the notes of our movie. I wrote some really fucking weird notes. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I can go through them somewhat chronologically. Okay. Um, so, first of all, I wrote that bad guys always have cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I, I mean, if you think about um, Blofeld, who's, the, who's mm-hmm. the, the Bond villain, he's probably the most famous cat villain, mm-hmm. I guess. And then you have Dr. Claw. Yeah. In Inspector Gadget, which is probably a knockoff of of the Bond stuff. Probably. And then you have... Well, then there's Dr. Evil, which Dr. is Evil, definitely which is not... a knockoff of Bond. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, like, that's an interesting thing that kind of the Godfather, you know, everything is a reference in a way. Yeah. You know, you can't have, you know, Mark Twain says something like, you know, there is no such thing as an original idea mm-hmm. because everything's influenced by something else sure. but it's true yeah uh, my mom you that brought up that uh modern family thing she like texted me like mm-hmm. she's like mikey they did a godfather thing oh, on, yeah. on... <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that uh you should look up modern family godfather it's it's the funniest scene it's actually taking place at um sofia vergara and ed i can't even remember his name harris They're, harris no that's not it no. Is it? No. Ed Harris is uh, <laughs> he's, he's yeah. in a lot of other stuff, including The Rock. Anyway, it's... Uh, it's the Coach! Yeah. <laughs> That's not him either, I don't think. He's from Married with Children. That's not Coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Well, you know a lot about The Godfather, but not much else, Delaney. You know what? I'm okay that I have a Coach blind spot. <laughs> But anyway, just YouTube uh, Godfather Modern Family and watch the clip. It's very, very entertaining if you've seen the movie. <laughs> it's like a very toned down version of the Godfather. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of like, <clears throat> even um, the, the recent Daredevil show has like these big scenes of like many movies and whatever do the mm-hmm. the multiple deaths and attack at the same time yeah. this grand stroke like you've seen it in all these different things and mm-hmm. it's all from this yeah it's crazy to think about but i mean yeah i was watching it and i i did have that thought of i wonder if that's if if francis ford coppola was the first one to do this yeah or... that's what i was just gonna say i was like maybe he wasn't maybe he just got lucky and people noticed maybe so yeah <laughs> but it's i mean yeah it's definitely visually very compelling and it's kind of just you know, just bringing it all together to one head instead of like you know doing a slow build to it is mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And to pair it with such a like innocent seeming scene as the baptism yep. of the youngest child of Connie's child is just it's. I mean, I'm sure you might have a better idea of what the actual metaphor is. <laughs> it's like this means something. I just don't know. Well, why. it's just lying. I mean, yeah. he's just you know he's making all these solemn vows right. that he's. You know, the godfather for this boy, and mm-hmm. he, the boy can't speak for himself. Right. So he's uh, saying that he won't sin and he won't do all these bad mm-hmm. things, and then he, he is. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, like, Michael uh, is, um, he doesn't kill all the five families mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, he really kills Tatalia and Barzini, because they're the guys who, who wronged him. But right. in the movie... 
I think they just want to be like, yeah, he's just taking over. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> the new boss. We want to make sure you know that he <laughs> wins. Yeah. He's, he's definitely comes out on top. Yeah, and I can't wait. I mean... Uh, the first movie, it's, I think what's held me back from watching movies like The Godfather is the fact that it is so long. Yep. It's three hours long, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, the thought of even sitting down to watch it for the <laughs> taping today was a daunting task, but once I watched it, it was amazing, and I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, expect it to be any shorter with all the story that they're trying to put into it. And now all I want to do is watch the second one because yes. the first one was so amazing. And I also, I just don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I read the first book, so I kind of knew how things were going to end up, but I have no idea what happens in the second one. And none of that has really been spoiled for me. So second yeah. one is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. like sad fun, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, cause they take, I would, you know, episode 15 or whatever after you do a couple more of these I'll yeah. do that one um, yeah but they that's like half of it's from the book because they do like flashbacks to mm-hmm. Vito's early days and then half of it's original so it's really cool very um, cool what else other notes little weird notes <laughs> did you have okay I wrote um, is Steven Seagal just doing a Don Corleone impression <laughs> the way that he talks it's just like could <laughs> be, and then you just hear Steven Seagal talking. It's the same to me. I just kept getting it. Like, uh, yeah, it was just ridiculous in my head. I loved, I loved the characterization of Marlon Brando, but all I could think was <laughs> Steven Seagal. I think that most actors, uh, especially bad ones, mm-hmm. probably look towards like this performance. Or like you know, they, I mean, everybody looks towards iconic performances probably mm-hmm. when they're when they're like coming up and learning. Uh, so I'm sure Seagal like thinks like, <laughs> I gotta be like that. I gotta be exactly like that. You know, I gotta be like John Corleone. I mean, I was in musicals in high school, mm-hmm. and like in West Side Story, I played the angry character. So I was just like, I'm Sonny Corleone. Like that was my thought. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was the other thing I wrote down was I... It took me way too long to realize that Sonny is James James Caan and that Tom is Robert Duvall. Yep. Just because they're so young and I guess I haven't watched a lot of movies from that era and I've only seen them as older actors Mm -hmm. and it just... I was like, whoa, James Caan used to be really hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now he's just like an old man. And then also added on to the movie is that he's got like a real big schlong. <laughs> I just love We don't scene. know if James Caan has a real big no, schlong. No, we don't. You're right, we don't. But the, <laughs> the scene with his wife and she's doing her hands yeah. and she keeps making them bigger and like, bigger. It's not that big. Yeah, no. No way. <laughs> he held it out like three feet. That's not possible. Yeah, it's it's cool to see all of them younger, and especially Pacino, because yeah. it's, I mean, cigarettes and screaming completely changed that man. Like, you, like if you ever decide to watch Godfather 3, mm-hmm. it feels like a different character in a lot of ways, but especially because he's got that hoo-ha, he's, he's doing this the whole time. <laughs> he's not like this soft, like he's this soft-spoken, menacing, like, you know, He's not that intimidating, but he still kind of is. He's got this quiet, like, allure to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, Pacino's not that anymore. Yeah. Pacino is just boisterous and loud <laughs> and just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> Enough screaming. Yeah. We can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> 
what's interesting about um like Pacino, like there's like three levels of of like this whole Johnny Fontaine part of the book and mm-hmm. the movie. Um you know, Fontaine is Sinatra. That's yeah. that's pretty clear. Definitely. So they want to you know, in the movie they don't want Fontaine to get the movie or you know, the 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 role he's auditioning for her once because it'll make him a big star. The studio mm-hmm. doesn't want him. Uh, Paramount didn't want Pacino. They didn't want him for Michael. Like, they, oh. like, like tried so hard to not have him be Michael. And mm-hmm. Coppola was really pushing it. Like, they had, like, James Conn was pretty much already sunny, but, like, yeah. Paramount's like, no, we want him to read for Michael. Like, they brought in all these people mm. to read. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. You can watch some of them. Like, uh, Martin Sheen auditioned for the part of Michael Corleone and he's got like a uh, Fu Manchu and like his, his hair is really long and he's just so un-Italian. He's yeah. like, like doing like, he's like, they, they came after my father. Like, I don't know. It's just like so unconvincing, but That's hilarious. Uh, it's really interesting. Like how it like imitates itself. Yeah. Well, um, how did, how did Al Pacino finally convince them? Did they stick a horse head in the Paramount guy's yes. bed? Actually what convinced him was the scene uh, the Slutso scene. They, ah. they, he did the dinner scene and killed, you know, and they, that's what sold him, I guess. Yeah. So. I really, I like Pacino in that role for mm-hmm. sure. And yeah, it's like you said, it's interesting to see him as a younger actor because I haven't seen him do that much. And his whole relationship with Diane Keaton in that movie, mm-hmm. I really liked her in the role of Kay. I <laughs> the last note I wrote in my whole note thing was, poor Kay. Yep. <laughs> the way the movie ends, I was just like... Oh, poor thing. She just has to deal with this now. You get a bad reading of wives and girlfriends yeah. in uh, pop culture like that has like crime in mm-hmm. it. Um, and I think that's that's like watching it in the wrong way. Cause mm-hmm. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so you have the same thing. You have like people like are like, oh, Skylar sucks. Like the yeah. same thing. They say the same thing about Kay. They say the same thing about Carmela Soprano and the Sopranos. It's yeah. just like, well, I guess, like, but like, you can't. There's got to be somebody saying, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah, this and, isn't right. And like, if <laughs> picture yourself married to this guy, you're exactly. just gonna be like, "Yeah, kill him!" <laughs> like, like, I love you, babe. Like, yeah. come on. I don't know. Like, it's weird. So yeah. that's a lot of people are like, "I hate Kay Adams," and and sometimes I'm like, "Okay." Sometimes I'm just like, maybe it's Diane Keaton, but, you know, you have to be able to step out of the, the story a bit and be like, well, come on. Right, <laughs> like, what would you do if that was you? Yeah, I think it's definitely, there's a reason for her role in that, and especially just as an outsider coming into the family. And, I mean, that whole scene at the wedding where Michael is just so frank with her and is like, yeah, uh, I think he said, like, he killed somebody or something like that, and yeah. Kay's just like what is going on? But mm-hmm. she still goes along with it because I guess she loves Michael enough that she'll put up with it. Not knowing that one day he's going to be in that position. She right. just didn't know what she signed up for and now she just has to deal with it because she's married and they have a kid. So, yeah, I feel bad for her. Well, Michael's like the smart... He's like... the He's actually the rebel of the family, oddly right. enough. Because he didn't want to be in the business. Mm-hmm. He joined up the Marines, which... Um, at that time, like Sicilians and Italians, like they were, they're like, I'm not going to fight for my country because you discriminate against me. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a middle finger to his dad and he didn't want to be in the business. So 
marrying or mm-hmm. like wanting to date like a super white mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean they're all white but uh super american super waspy <laughs> protestant uh yeah. that was like totally <laughs> like supposed to be like an act of rebellion yeah but, you know eventually he basically he gets pulled back in because he's the smartest like yeah. <laughs> that's really what it is sonny yeah. you know you look at them and you're just like sonny is too mad fredo's too dumb <laughs> can i tell you what i wrote down for fredo yeah <laughs> First thought is Fredo mentally challenged. (laughs) He just stares at Kay and he like goes in for a kiss. Then I also wrote down Fredo is the Buster Bluth of his family. He is. No, that's that's amazing. Like because when I watched the rest of development, I was like, there's so many parallels. It's scary. Michael is Michael. He's got to take over when he doesn't want to. (laughs) Like it's yeah. Job is Sunny. He's just kind of irrational and egotistical, and then Fredo is just. A little soft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fredo, um, that's like, he gets so much good material in the second one. Yeah, that's, I heard that. I mean, and it's also because so many people are dead. But <laughs> but he's a really more yeah. interesting character. Like, you know, I watch the movie and I'm like, oh, Fredo. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't do much in this movie. Yeah. But um, he does, like, you know, he's he's just... You know, you feel bad for Fredo. Yeah. You're going to feel worse for Fredo. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, I'm going to learn the casino business. You're like, oh, Aww. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to teach me about owning a casino. <laughs> yeah. And that scene where he's where his dad gets shot and he runs out of the car and drops the gun. Yep. And then he's like, Papa. Mm-hmm. I was like, Buster. It's so Buster. <laughs> hey, Father. Hey, Father. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I I couldn't stop thinking of that the whole time I was watching the movie. Anytime he came on screen, I was like, ah, oh, that's Buster. Oh <laughs> uh, what? Oh okay. So what's in? Did Marlon Brando put something in his mouth for the movie he, to alter his voice? I don't know if he actually did. Some people say he put cotton balls. Mm-hmm. Some people like, you know, I'm not really clear on that. He yeah. he just um, he, he like I remember saying like. Coppola saying that he he said he wanted to talk like a, like a bulldog. Mm-hmm. He's gonna have a juby face like a bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I remember. Yeah. Um, I don't think the studio wanted him either. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've heard, Marlon Brando is a terrible like person to work with on set <laughs> and everything. Like he um, in this movie, like, there's a scene where he's talking to uh, Luca Brasi, mm-hmm. and this guy is not a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Like, he's having a, like, you could probably tell, you're like, oh, this guy, he looks slow, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the bit they put in there where he's sitting down, rehearsing what he's going to say, sure. you're done. That's him practicing his lines. That's because... What, the actor? Yeah. Practicing? Oh, because, wow. Like, and so they're like, oh, we're going to put this in as his character. <laughs> so he's super nervous. And Brando, like, you know, they're filming from behind Brando. So mm-hmm. he, like, takes, like, a, a note card, tapes it to his forehead, and <laughs> just says, fuck you. Like... <laughs> Brando just like difficult guy like so like you know side stuff like he Godfather Part 2 he was gonna be in a flashback Mm -hmm. but he wanted the same amount of money that he got for the whole first film so they didn't do that and then uh, um, what's the other Heart of Darkness or is that is that what the movie Apocalypse Now basically Uh uh, he he was supposed to have read Heart of Darkness, uh-huh. like, show up on set, like, in shape to be, like, this general that he was supposed to be. 
and he hadn't read the book. He was super fat, so they filmed most of his scenes like in the shadows, and he was wearing black to be all slim. Like Brando was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. I mean, yeah, he was. I can't picture anybody else doing that scene. I mean, doing that whole part. Did he actually win an Oscar for that? Do you know? Or yes, yeah. Okay. And so he won the. <laughs> this is another him being an asshole. <laughs> he won. Yeah. And he declined to attend and mm-hmm. accept. So instead, he had a a Native American go up to the stage, mm-hmm. like get the Oscar and said, Marlon Brando uh, is not here to receive this award due to the negative portrayal of the Native American people in film. Huh. Which is like, you know, I like, it's a good statement. It's sure. weird. And then people started booing her. It was bad. Oh, no. <laughs> it was oh, bad. That's terrible. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> that is so funny, though, that he was like, I don't know how that had anything to do with no, him. No, it has just... nothing to do with the role. He's just like, well, I have an opportunity to speak. That's like you see people do that at the Oscars all the time, though. Like, right. People will go up and... They all accept it and then start talking about, like, genocide. And you're like, okay, I mean, I get that you're, like, on a stage on a platform. But it's almost become, like, if you don't talk about something serious during your speech, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're selfish if you don't bring it back to some tragedy that's it's happening like, in the Patricia world. Patricia Arquette, I just really like boyhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't you just talk about that? It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Thanks, Marlon Brando. God. <laughs> Thanks to you, we have to listen to all these people just gab about nothing. Well, it's something. Anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to... Oh, I wanted to talk about Apollonia yep. in Italy. Apollonia. Such hair, such a mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Apollonia. Yes. She's like... I mean, I remember seeing it and being like, well... He doesn't speak that much Sicilian. Mm-hmm. He's got a girl he loves back home. Yeah. So what's the connection here? <laughs> he was yeah. struck by lightning. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much all it is. He was just like super into it yeah. and like like well why not? Yeah. Um, and I love how they just glaze over that. Like he comes back and he's just like, oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm back. I I'm yeah. not going to tell you about. You he know. never tells Kay or anybody about the fact that he's been married before. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, oh, well. you, you talked to me about this last night, the the line where she's talking about, um, <laughs> I know English. Sure, she doesn't see Yeah. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday. Thursday, <laughs> Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a funny scene in the movie. Yeah, I also, I had a thought. It's, it's funny because I would write a note, and then right after I would write it, the thing that I was writing the note about would happen. Yeah. So I said, as, like, they had the wedding scene... I said, if this movie, if they had made The Godfather today for the first time, there'd be so many more boobies in it. (laughs) There'd be so much more nudity. If you think about, like, Martin Scorsese movies, Mm -hmm. there's always, like, like a lot of nudity. And and then right after I wrote that, Apollonia shows her boobies. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, all right. I was re-watching it once when I got, like, my wisdom teeth taken out, mm-hmm. and my mom was watching it with me, and then that <laughs> scene happened, and, like, this has happened to us before, like, whenever we're watching, like, something, and, like, anything sexual happens on screen, she just looks at me, she's like, Michael, 
you shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> so I always think of my mom in that scene. Um, but I think, you know, it's just a simplistic relationship is really yeah. what it is. But, you know, there's there's the sweetness to it. Right. Um, there's like, I don't know if this was, you know, an actor or character choice or whatever, but um, they're like, <laughs> when he's courting her, first mm-hmm. off, he's courting her. And, like, you think they're just alone. And then, like, the whole town's the whole, following yeah. <laughs> All the Sicilian yeah, women yeah. are, ah, look they're at like, him. Yeah, they're yeah. just, like, watching, like, how he's doing. But, yeah. um, you know, she, like, trips and falls. And mm-hmm. he, like, catches her. And, like, oh, that's a little sweet moment. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, overall, it's just, like, oh, Apollonia, you yeah. simple Sicilian woman. <laughs> I felt like she would probably be... If if it actually had worked out where he was able to bring her home, she would have been better fit to handle that whole like mob scene yes. scenario than Kay would have ever been, you know? Yeah, I mean the Godfather is ultimately like a tragedy. Yeah. And Michael is not the man his father is. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought if Apollonia lived, that would have been his chance to like have what he wanted. Yeah. Um, so she's like I don't know if I want to say missed opportunity, but like, yeah. you know, with, with her gone, it's just kind of like, well, you got to deal with what you have. Like right. This, maybe you can't have that. Yeah. You can kind of see it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause he is, Michael really is the hero of this movie and you just see, you see what's led him to become at the end of the movie, the new Don. And mm-hmm. it's just uh, every bad thing that's happened to him in his life just makes him that much more like vengeful and angry. And you kind of see that, that build up in, in his personality. And it makes sense by the end of the movie why you're like, Oh yeah, he's, he could have like, he could do this. Yeah. yeah. Michael, he has, I mean, clearly he's, he's got, you know, control issues you know yeah <laughs> i mean most people in that position do uh but he's gotta have it all he mm-hmm. has to have it all so he kills everybody mm-hmm. and at the end he's already won mm-hmm. he's already won but he's still and he's probably going to kill carlo either way yeah he's gonna be like okay you killed my brother like you're out but yeah. he still needs to know who hired him. Mm-hmm. It has, I mean, that's, nothing is going to come out of that. He's already killed Barzini and yeah. Italia, but he's like, I need to know. Mm-hmm. I need to know for my own personal vindication. Yeah. Like, he's, that, like, that's such a minute thing, right. but, like, he has to have control over it all. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. That was, that was the other note I wrote where at the baptism, because you just don't see Carlo for most of the movie mm-hmm. after the whole fight with he and Connie. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, Carlo's still around? They didn't kill him yet? And then, like, two seconds after that, he's, yeah. you know, getting strangled in the car. But I thought, I also wrote down the scene uh, where Sonny and Carlo fight in the street is one of the funniest fight scenes it's I've super ever fake. seen. It's Yeah, you can see, especially with the wide shot, you can see James Conn misses him fist. completely. Yeah, his fist will just go right like in the other direction, and the guy's still like, oh, like he's getting punched. Yeah. And then at one point, whenever Carlo is, <laughs> when he's grasping the rail and Sonny bites his fingers. And... <laughs> yes. I mean, you can tell there was no choreography yeah. in that scene. Like, each Conn, <laughs> James Conn even talks about like, he brought a broom handle in the car. I don't uh-huh. know why. And he, like, because like, that's the first thing he does. He comes out of the car and he throws something at him. Yeah. It's just like, why did he have a broom <laughs> why did handle? He do that, yeah. Um, but if you, like, that's one thing you'll notice between one and two mm-hmm. is um, as much of a great film this is, like, you know, there's still little interesting 
mistakes because it's like, you know, it's a young film. Yeah. So there's like, you have that, you have like, wow, he totally missed that punch. Right. And then you have, um, there's this, with the McCluskey killing, mm-hmm. he's a, he shoots Solazzo, and then there's a wide shot, and you can see the blood shot on McCluskey's head before oh, he shoots him. Oh, wow. So there's a little, there's all these little things you can catch in the movie where yeah. it's just like, Oh well, like they didn't have the time or the budget, but mm-hmm. the the second movie's a lot tighter because the studio trusted them. Yeah, basically. that's very cool. I I mean, yeah, it's it's little things like that though that make make me laugh during the movie. Yep. And you know, despite that, even even with that happening, I still thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's still a really good movie, and I I don't know what I was expecting, but I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not normally a genre that I would gravitate towards. I mean, it's taken me all this time to actually sit down and watch the movie, and I really enjoyed it. Well, Puzo and Coppola both aren't, I don't think they would categorize themselves as mafia mm-hmm. genre people. Um, and this is when I was talking to you about like how I was going to come on and sound all professional. It's like, <laughs> well, Puzo tried to sell his first novel, but he did. He tried to sell like his first novel i think it was called an immigrant's tale not sure but like you know it was just a simple tale about a sicilian immigrant uh publishers didn't want it they wanted they wanted a mafia story they wanted something with like you know blood and sex and violence and stuff Mm -hmm. so this was kind of a mercenary job for him uh but he still put some heart into it and then i think coppola took it and made it even more because he's like well I want to make a story about family. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to make this mafia movie, it's going to be more about family. Yeah, family um, dynamics. So I think that's what is always appealing. And mm-hmm. and to me, like, you know, I think any any boy, any man can be like, oh, it's it's my dad. Yeah. You know, like there's so <laughs> many, like especially the second movie, there's sure. all these things where you're just like, like, you know, living up to your dad or being different or mm-hmm. all these different things. Um and really, like, the mafia is all this, you know, it's everything's a metaphor for America. Yeah. You know, everything's a metaphor for people. But um, they take, it's the things they will allow to change over time, you know, mm-hmm. which is just, like, America and the world, like, you know, progressing through, like, you know, civil rights, gay rights, all these things. It's it's what you allow to happen like at a certain point in time because they're having this conversation about drugs they're mm-hmm. like no like my parents didn't do that we mm-hmm. didn't do the business and drugs we only did gambling uh but eventually they do that it's just right. kind of like the things you allow over time mm-hmm. i can definitely see that i uh i wrote down i, I definitely don't think that don reminds me of my dad because oh, he's, yeah. he's my dad is nowhere near as scary as the Don, but that whole scene at the end, right before Don Corleone dies, um, you know, in the, I guess, orchard or whatever, in his little garden, where he's with his grandson and he takes the orange peel and turns it into teeth. It reminded me so much of my grandpa because my grandpa was such, to me, such a scary man, and then he would do something silly like that, and it would still freak me the fuck out. Like, my grandpa would do the disappearing thumb trick, you uh-huh. know what I'm talking about, where you'd have, like, your fist together, and you make it look like you're detaching your thumb. Yeah. And it scared me shitless, because he just was such a 
scary looking man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an important part of it, though, yeah. it, because, and I think a lot of it was like improvised, and mm-hmm. they they were losing daylight, and they needed to get the get it done. Yeah. Uh, so like he just started playing around with the kid. Yeah. Um, because he was being uncooperative, and because uh, he's a kid. Yeah. So, and like, so it's nice to see that soft side to him, which you really. You only see subtle intimidation throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you never see him commit any act of violence. Yeah. But you know that he's behind a lot mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another thing that, that kind of like, you know, he, he's not a good guy. Right. But he's a, you know, you, you, there's a good part of him. Yeah. But you don't see him do any of the bad stuff. So right. you kind of dissociate that. Yeah. And to me, I kind of had the thought of like, that's the only life he's ever known. Like, how else... Would would he ever get by? Like Vito is is his real name, right? Not yes. Don, yeah. So like, how else would Vito know to like make money for his family or to provide for them other than this life? Mm. Because I mean, what what else could you do? That's that's the only life he knows, and that's how he gets money for his family. And luckily, he's done a pretty good job of keeping his children, not his children, but keeping his grandchildren out of that they don't know any different they just think that this guy is their grandpa because he doesn't talk about business around them or anything they just think he's their grandpa and they love him and everything and he provides for them and gives them everything they need and you know it's just i don't know there's something kind of nice about that he's not i do like the parts of the movie where they show uh like a more human side of him yeah and it's it really is just that's that's the only life he knows. So you kind of give him a little bit of forgiveness for acting like a total menace, right. <laughs> whatever you know. Well, Michael, like I said, Michael has these control issues where he and he does things. I mean, he just breaks <clears throat> the rules, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if he wants to like have somebody killed, like a ranking member, he's supposed to get permission to do it. Like right. you know, they have a commission, they have rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does what he wants, and in a way, Vito, to a, like not as a, a crazy extent, he does that too because mm-hmm. um, the crime families are businesses; they're not family businesses. Mm-hmm. So they always Corleone's always kind of had this light on them, where it's like, oh, he just got the job because he's the guy's kid, mm-hmm. which nobody else does. Like pretty much, it's it's you work your way up, right? Um, so that's like an interesting thing, like the Corleones basically just do it the way they want to do it yeah and they don't like you know have they have tom hagan who like that's unheard of you know Mm -hmm. for them to have somebody who's not italian and not you know not sicilian and not italian to to be in that kind of position yeah well i was gonna ask actually that was my next question was what uh maybe you know better than i do like what is tom hagan's actual role because to me it just looks like he just is like He's in on the meetings. He's kind of like the right-hand man, but mostly he just watches and listens. He doesn't really take any action, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, he, um, in a cut scene of the film, they, like, visit uh, Genko Amandando, who is dying, and he's the original consigliere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Hagen... I don't know if he didn't really train him, but he kind of followed him. Yeah. Uh, but he was always more of the family lawyer mm-hmm. and seemed to be in line to be conciliary, like Michael said in the first scene. So he's always kind of been the 
broker, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of puts the stuff together, and you know, he he's the assistant, I guess. Yeah. Really, um, he's not a captain, which like Sonny's a captain, uh, Clemenza, Tessio, all these guys. He's he's part of the business, but he's not, and that's that's something he's always had this characterization for because he's an outsider because he's italian he's not italian and he's not blood so he like and you have these scenes where you really feel for him because Mm -hmm. like sunny and like the heat of the moment's like ah like if i had a wartime concierge wouldn't be in this position like papa jenko look what i got yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because he grew up with it i mean he's around sunny's age he's grown up with a family all his life but yeah he's still He's never going to be considered a son, yeah. even though he calls, you know, he calls Vito his dad. I, I remember in mm-hmm. one scenery, you know, he calls the, the wife his mom. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's great. It's like, uh, it's like Jon Snow. He's just kind of the bastard and he's yeah. there, but he's not really, he's not allowed to be a part of it like they are, but he's just about as close as he can get to being part of the family. Yeah. All these the sons really have their own like hangups yeah. for like a lot of reasons. Like Sonny's like, well, I'm not as smart. Yeah. Like, your Fredo's kind of like, I'm not as smart, but also I'm just not as, I'm kind of inept at <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Sonny's like, I'm not Michael. Because mm-hmm. Michael's the perfect one. Yeah, he's a golden uh, child. Yeah. And Hagen is, I'm not a part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting, like, that these, these characters have a lot of potential that yeah. they they show in the movie and then in, in the next one, too. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the next one. I, uh... Can't wait to have you back so we can talk mm-hmm, about the mm-hmm. second movie. Um, Before we end, yeah, yeah, this is an interesting tidbit, and I think the movie would have been terrible if they would have done this, and we wouldn't be talking about it right mm-hmm. now. Is that Paramount wanted them to make it set in the modern day, so they hmm. wanted they wanted to adapt uh, the book to take place in the seventies. And oh. and Coppola was like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. Yeah. Like for so many reasons. Uh, so like that's that. There's a lot of interesting behind the scenes stuff. Like yeah. just trying to get the production going was crazy. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I mean, I can't picture it. What would they have done with the drug stuff and everything like that in the seventies? It wouldn't have been nearly as relevant than you know, especially with the way that they're talking. Like, kind of their whole racist spiel of like we're just gonna keep the drugs in like the, the black neighborhoods and everything the colors yeah they, that's yeah. so awful but i mean that's it's the time that it takes place in the movie you see like that's totally what they would have been talking about at the time because racism was so prevalent that yeah they would just they they looked at them like animals they looked mm-hmm. at black people like they were not on the same level and and so it was okay to you know, taint their society with drugs and right. violence and everything like that. Just keep it away from, from our people. It's ridiculous, but there's, yeah. well, there's this thing. It's like, I think we have, you know, we look at Tom Brokaw always called world war two <laughs> veterans, the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the movie's so close to that, it has this like timeless feel like, you know, like we look back and, and you know, it's something kind of, that we look fondly on and mm-hmm. their manner of dress and everything. But if you put that in the seventies, like, I just think that it would be garbage. Like, you, like, yeah. the, like the stuff they would oh, be wearing, God. like yeah. the things they'd be talking about. Like, I don't know. It just, it wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't consider it a classic. You'd just be like, 
what was that? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it would have lost a lot of a lot of the uh, beauty that's in that movie mm-hmm. for sure if they had ruined it with <laughs> all the stylings of. Just think of that like time. Saturday Night Fever, Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be ridiculous. Or I mean, yeah, it'd be kind of like um, what you call it, Scarface. Yep. Yeah, be Scarface. These earphones are starting to hurt. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should wrap up. Cool. I'm, I'm trying to think of any finishing thoughts I have. Well, I mean, I'm assuming with, you know, since this is the first episode, I feel like I was definitely very lucky to get a film like Godfather to watch because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. I would recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie yet, we basically spoiled just about everything. But you should still watch it because it's a very interesting film and it's been long enough that you should watch it, so shame on you. Did you notice the oranges? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motifs! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd say it, it was a great film, and I'm not always... I don't expect that every film that my friends make me watch, I'm going to actually enjoy, but I... I can't wait for those episodes. I I can't wait for somebody to sit down like, D, I'm calling you out for that Sophia thing. (laughs) He's going to come and talk about something and you're going to be like, I thought it went dumb. (laughs) I didn't like it. It's going to happen. Where are the boobies? (laughs) I need more boobies. That's my conclusion. Uh, Godfather would have been great if there were more boobies in it. Uh, Feel bad for Connie. Hopefully... <laughs> she's okay being a single mom now and I can't wait to see what Fredo's up to in in the second movie. Get ready to get sad. <laughs> <laughs> poor Fredo, poor baby buster. <laughs> um I was thinking maybe we could plug something if you wanted to. I know, I mean, Michael and I are both in our indie improv group, Moonroof. Yep. You should definitely find our page on Facebook and like us. We post any upcoming shows onto that site. Uh, Michael, I know you're a writer for a blog as well. Did you want to maybe shout out your blog? If you like comic books, you could check out Retcon Punch, where we talk every week. R-E-T-C-O-N Punch. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we talk about kind of just like this, in a way. It's a conversation. It's not like a review. So it's a one guy kind of talks about a single issue and then the other guy replies so um yeah it's we do stuff every week check it out yeah thank you so much for being on the first thank episode you for having me. thank you guys so much for listening to our first episode of bad at movies more fun where that came from special thanks to my guest michael delaney to the producer of Second Wind Collective, Dan Schiffmacher, and to Sarah Zwinkless. So we're going to end the show today with a little film critique by the very, very well-noted Ava and Morty Rosenblum, here to talk about what they thought of The Godfather.
Guys, I know I, I didn't want to be involved in this. Well, who? You guys can't. You can't drive yourself. So I drove you guys here. So. you guys experiencing life i just don't want to be the one who ha- who's taking you to these experiences i'm, I'm tired you know As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.